Hey y'all, welcome back to the coffee table. Yes, it is me, the Prince of Petty, your educated black man. It is I, Marcus Powell. I am finally back here recording after a long, long end of the last semester of grad school ever. Um, I am officially done and graduated, woot woot. Um, don't ever have to go back down that train ever again. Um, uh, I'm so excited. Uh, Brooke is over here trying to shoot down my dreams, but it's whatever. Um, it's your dream. It's a dream. <laughs> it's just a dream right now. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so I haven't recorded in a long time just because I was focusing on finishing up my project for my capstone class or whatever. But that's through now. So we're going to focus on the good things. Um, like me getting ample rest at night now. <laughs> Ooh, not sleeping in the library. No all-nighters. Exactly. No janitor. Can you move your feet, please? So we're not going to dive too much into that because that's not what we're here to talk about today. So I have two lovely guests here with me. Um, as you already heard Brooke's voice in the back, and she's been on a couple at this point. Um, so I'm pretty sure you all are familiar with the yet quiet but loud voice that is Brooke Robinson. So hopefully she speaks up. <laughs> is that you telling me that I need to talk louder? No, tell. you've been talking loud so far. Okay. And then we have the illustrious Scarlett Davis here with us as well. Um, one of my very fine friends and colleagues. Um, so we're going to be moving forward and having a lovely little conversation about mental health in the workplace. Um, it is a conversation that the three of us were having one day while chilling at Brooke's apartment watching, I think, On My Block? I think that's what we were watching, which is a good show. You all should watch it. 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, 11 out of 10 recommend. That ending, though. If y'all want to discuss it, we should. I feel bad. What show? Oh, oh on my block. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking up a word. Okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. So, I'm going to give them some space to introduce themselves, um, let you all know who they are, um, and if they want to talk a little bit about the topic uh, before we dive in. But who would like to take the reins first? I will. So hi, I'm Scarlett Davis. Uh, I'm interested in this topic and to, to discuss it today is because I always, when I think about mental health, I always describe it as me being like the cheerleader, like, yay, like you all gotta take your pills, go to therapy, everything's great. And then now I actually have to like take those pills and, and continue to go to therapy, being diagnosed with depression and ADHD and what is it, it is, transition like I have a hard time transitioning so I get to now experience what other people go through and I'm no longer a cheerleader okay so my introduction is going to be a little bit more elaborate because y'all I also just graduated I'm black I'm hooded I'm out this place <laughs> no curse I'm words on the coffee table I swear on this thing all the time first I know. of all um, yes, I'm heading out to Michigan State in less than 30 days now, so that's Aww. exciting. But 
Yeah, I'm also really excited to be here again and to talk about things, um, specifically mental health, because that was something that impacted me really my whole life, but a uh, therapist kind of made it all click um, to last May, and so that was something really hard. I probably talked about it a lot in my classmates, are probably like, if she brings up her ADHD one more time, I'm a hitter, I'm gonna be like, this is new for me, so back up, back up, back up. <laughs> Just playing. Mind but yeah, your no. business, man. Mind, mind your business. <laughs> um, but no, I'm excited to talk about that. Um, my misadventures of me avoiding therapy because sometimes you got issues and people don't always have the time to talk about them or to think through them. So I think my lens is more of like avoiding therapy, not intentionally, just because of situations in life. Cool. So before we dive in, I just want to make it clear that, like, I think all of us share some um, idea of what mental health is for our own experience. Um, to me, it was pretty important to do this as they are black women in the intersections that they already deal with in the workplace and now adding that extra layer of mental health. Um, and so I'm going to try to remove myself as much as possible and just pose some questions. I may connect myself occasionally into these pieces, um, but we want to focus on like how this affects their day to day, especially having to know that they deal with a bunch of bullshit on a regular basis Ooh, anyway. Cool. <laughs> so, um, the first part that I kind of want to start off with is something that I remember us kind of discussing around a lot is this idea of normalcy um, and how how we, try, how we try to make things that may not be normal for everyone more of a normal thing or more of something that is okay. actually understood just because it is not like oh my gosh this is what they say should be the idea what is your experience with trying to decide your perspective of your normalcy in a position as a professional i can go so it's something i've been doing recently so my normal is someone can pose a question or a prompt for us to think about in any setting, like a meeting or whatever, like a think tank, and then people will hear it a certain way, and I always seem to hear it like the complete opposite or in a different, like, I just understood it differently. And so when people are going and they're talking, answering a question, I'm like, oh God, like, I must have misunderstood, like I have no idea what it was. And so my new normal is, or my normal is just asking people to restate the question and sometimes just answering the question how I interpreted it and then just going from there. Mm -hmm. Because I used to feel weird asking for them to clarify or to restate it. And then I wouldn't say anything. And now I'm like, nope, I really either don't remember what you said because I was like thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. Or I heard it in a different way. And for me to answer it in a way I think I should, I want you to rephrase it or restate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, for me, I think something similar I've talked about a lot. Um, I have my journal that I carry with me everywhere and it has yes, all do. of my thoughts, like the thing like my to-do list, um, things I like, goals, um, work things I have to do, um, but also like me writing down questions. Like when we were job searching in LA and TPE, I took it to all of my interviews and I was writing things down. Um, I got uncomfortable asking people. Sorry, I'm hitting my hands together. Y'all know I like to use my hand to talk. Um, but 
I'm very, at this point, really comfortable asking people to repeat things, not only because I talk softly, but I also don't always hear people the best. So, like, the combination of those things, it's like, if you want me to get something done, yes, I'm going to ask you probably one or two times to do it. Yes, I'm going to write things down. Um, I'm probably going to come back later and just check with you and be like, did I actually do all the things that you asked me to do? Because I probably did something else that's probably also helpful, but also not on my list. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things that I'm hearing is this idea of asking for people to restate questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a moment where I'm going to throw myself in and make a connection. Um, there have been plenty of times throughout my academic career where I have avoided asking a question for clarity mm-hmm. and have just took the F. <laughs> oh, Chile. Um, because oh, no. I don't want people to think of me as somebody that's not paying attention mm-hmm. or feel mm-hmm. like... I just don't know anything, and it's not that. It's me wanting to be clear 100%, but me being scared. Mm-hmm. I've, I shouldn't say my entire academic career because I have started to grow out of that. Um, it's taken a while, but what if there was, what was that process like for you before you came to a position to be comfortable to ask those questions? What was your internal processing? I think... It's something I've kind of always been comfortable doing. I think that's probably dance kicking in. Because for me, for dance, I had to be really good at watching people. I was actually just thinking about this the other day. Uh, I'm really good at picking things up quickly. But when I don't, like, I have to ask those questions. Because with dance, I am a perfectionist. Like, it's going to look good. Um, Or, like, if I'm telling, teaching someone choreography, I don't like for things to be unclear. So I tell people, ask me questions. Like, do what you need to do. Because... If I'm talking, my words aren't always clear. So, like, making sure that people feel comfortable asking questions because I know I have to do that if I need something articulated. Um, I'm going to ask you to restate that last part because I know I only remember part of that question you just asked, actually. (laughs) What is just the process of what was your internal processing Mm -hmm. before you became comfortable? But it seems like there were experiences that had to force you to become comfortable with asking those questions. No, my mind works like guns to roses, so I hear one thing, and then, like, you say a word, and I'm going to tell you the word that, like... Comes to mind? Yeah. Frog. (laughs) I don't know why that (laughs) word came to my mind, but... (laughs) thought of Looney Tunes, because I'm pretty sure there's, like, a cartoon that's a frog in Looney Tunes, something. But, like, I used to watch as a kid, like, that's where my mind goes. I actually thought of, like, AKAs, too. But, like, (laughs) where my mind jumps, like... Okay. Weird, but it, makes, weird. it made theater like artsy thing really easy for me because I'd be like, do this thing, whatever comes to mind, I'd be like, cool. Let's see. So I very, very distinctly remember a moment in middle school where I raised my hand, I went to go speak, and I couldn't remember. I don't know why. Like, I'm just so excited to answer the question, I forgot the answer to the question. And then my teacher then proceeded to make fun of me and was like um like mimicking like continuously raising her hand and was like if don't raise your hand if you don't know the answer and i'm like okay cool so then so it's them there for me being like i should stay quiet because i already was like a shy person and so like middle school so over like high school i really never asked questions or spoke a lot in class and then not really in college but I think as I've gotten more into like who I am as a professional and recognizing mostly in grad school, like I was in a new field. Like I was like, what the hell is like 
I was in, like, it was just all new. I was never in RA. I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? And so I had to ask those questions when I was in meetings and got clarification. But it kind of was like I was given permission to ask those questions because I was new. I wasn't expected to know the answers. So I think that was like my foot in the door of like, no, or like my foot in the door, but like that progression. And then as I've gotten more into my career, being diagnosed with ADHD kind of gave me like reassurance that it wasn't me. Like it was, it kind of gave me like, I was giving myself permission to ask these questions because it wasn't like I wasn't paying attention. My mind just didn't catch it. Okay. So it wasn't like something innately wrong with me. It was more of a, you have this thing. You need to do this in order to function in this space. So then now I just ask questions and I admit, like sometimes I'll kind of practice like, just make sure I'm clear, like still trying to like ease into it. But now I just ask questions, even like today I ask questions because I'm like, I just want to make sure I'm answering it correctly. Mm -hmm. Because I can answer what I think you said, <laughs> but for this conversation to proceed and for this meeting to be proactive, like, I'm not proactive, productive, either I'm going to sit here and stay silent and be in that, like, shows that I don't know what was going on, I shouldn't be in the space, or I'm actually going to own up, I have no idea what you said, please repeat, and let's move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think it also helps because you went back to schooling. And for me, because I was homeschooled from first to sixth grade, so I had that intimate space where it was just me, my brother, and my mom. And so growing up in that for six years, asking questions was normal because it was the only two people. Like, you didn't feel like you were holding up a class or anything like that. And I think that was actually one of those experiences that helped me hone in a lot and focus more. The more I was in public schooling, I feel the easier it was for me to, like, not necessarily get a tr distracted, but to miss all of the things that were happening. And I would get really upset with classmates. Like I hated class clowns when I went back to school mm -hmm. because I would get distracted and I like could not like, I'd just be like, can you shut up so I can hear Miss Leslie, mm -hmm. our like social studies teacher in seventh grade. And he'd be like, why you're such a buzzkill. I'd be like, nah, I'm here to like <laughs> do something and be smart and educated. And you're here to make that girl like, <laughs> it was like a like the way that I have to approach things is a more focused aspect mm -hmm. and like I would come off as really harsh to a lot of people because I was like I need to focus and you are literally just being a distraction for yeah. me and then I, as I was in school it got more comfortable but that was a hard transition mm. I, I don't think I can imagine what transition would have been like for me mm -hmm. As a person coming from homeschooling, uh, <laughs> it was already a transition enough for me to go from one grade to the next. Like, because that was the thing. Even in kindergarten, like I was the kid who would like finish things quickly, and then I wouldn't have anything to do, so I'd be jumping around. Like, imagine like being undiagnosed with ADHD in kindergarten, but also being really smart. So you're done, and you just look like the distraction. But it's like, nah, you're not. I don't feel full like mentally you're not actually stimulating what I need happening like I like to say people with ADHD aren't actually like people think they're slower or things like that no they're just you a lot of people aren't enough for what they need because of how I like to think how fast our brains work and how fast we can learn those things mm -hmm. yeah I think right now um he was assignments in elementary school that was one of my coursework and I'm like okay what's next <laughs> and so the teacher was like here sit down and grade and so I started teaching people stuff because I was bad. Like, I was done. Like, okay, next. 
Next, next. Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay, cool. So I never was like the dis- like the distraction. I was more of a what can I get my hands in? What can I do? Mm-hmm. Okay, you want me to organize? You want me to pray? You want me to go talk to people? Like, what can I do? And that sounds so productive too, because my <laughs> teacher was just like, sit down. Why are you being that oh, distraction? Yeah. And was like, one very new to teaching. Like I was the bane of her existence. Like. My parents, she told my parents, Brooke's really smart, she can move up because she's clearly distracted in my class and I don't know what to do with her because she's ahead of all of the other kids. And she was like, she needs to get out of my classroom was her solution, which, not taking shots at K through 12, but I think <laughs> taking shots at K through 12. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a one size fit all mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's how people suffer. Mm-hmm. Very true. Look at y'all dropping that knowledge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so something else that I think I'm always prompted with is the idea of how once you learn that you have ADHD, what is that transition like? Because you've already known that you've held these like differences or symptoms or anything that kind of like leads people to help understand what ADHD is, but now you have something that's tangible that you can actually like research a little bit more to help you understand yourself um, or to even help other people understand you a little bit better. Granted, we still have to deal with the crap of people not wanting to try to understand or try to research. So now you have to like go through that fight of being like no this is for real and then being like nah, I don't think so mm-hmm. so not only do you have that transition of yourself having to go through that but you also have the transition of listening to the bull crap of other people outside um, and I don't know if that plays into the normalcy effect as well but I imagine that that could be a transition in what that's like to finally learn something else about yourself Okay, so there's a few <laughs> different things. Um, I uh, So being recently diagnosed, maybe two months, maybe more, I can't remember. <laughs> so um, I'm still even figuring out what this all means, right? Because for the longest time, I'm like, oh, I get I daydream. Like, I'm a fast talker, like, mile a minute. Like, I just knew this stuff about me, and, it, and I always made it into a positive and a negative because I've been able to excel, like, in what society says, it's like, excelling in higher education, so I was like highly functional. So I never saw it as a negative, it was just, okay, my memory sucks, next. So now being diagnosed, I am wondering like what part of this is me and what part of me is a diagnosis? And what do I, like, what do I do on a daily basis? It's because I'm doing it compared to something is doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I have no control that I'm doing it. Yeah. And so then I think about, how often I even talk about therapy because I want to break down that stigma in the community of like, oh, well, black people don't go to therapy or people don't talk about it. I'm like, no, like I, like just how I tell people I'm going to meet with the RA, I tell people I'm going to therapy. Like, and then I tell people I'm going to another therapist, I see two people in one week. And like, that's just my normal, right? And so that's how I try to normal, normal, normalize it. Thank you. <laughs> because if I just hide it or shield it, then I feel like I'm in shame and I'm not. Like, I'm, very fortunate I'm able to go to therapy twice a week. Very fortunate I have my insurance based on medication. So like, that's just my life and it's a part of me. So I think about, I think I'm answering your question. So I think about, an, a struggle I have is right, like what part of it is me, what part of it is the diagnosis. 
at what point am I just blaming my diagnosis for my laziness? That's another thing you have depression. Mm -hmm. So at what point is it, no, I really can't function today because either I'm tired or because I can't and there's nothing that's gonna get me to function. Mm -hmm. So I think about that, like just trying to like split hairs, right? Because mm -hmm. it all comes together. My depression got worse because of life, because of ADHD. So it all like comes together. And then the last thing I think about is choosing to take medicine. Like before all of this, I was like, confused why people wouldn't take their medicine. I'm like, take it. Like, yeah, like you're gonna, it's gonna suck because it's not a one size fit all like mm -hmm. combination. And yes, it's gonna make you feel different because there's imbalance in your brain. But here I am, someone not diagnosed, trying to tell people how to live their life. I'm like, no, you can't just change your diet. And then now taking medicine and then stopping it twice, just in a short amount of time because of the side effects, because it makes me not eat. And so that's something I am trying to like understand, like, no, I can't just stop taking this. But on the flip side, because I am taking it, I am gonna be slightly in pain or I'm gonna suffer in one way. Mm -hmm. So is it like, do I just live my life and have my diagnosis and be like, okay, cool, like just go to therapy? Or do I live my life, continue to balance with these pills and figure out what works best for me? But still dealing with the side effects, because when you fix one thing, you're gonna cause four other things. So, like, and that's just, it's medicine. So, yeah, so I think I answered. You, you should start writing these down. Yeah, I, if you could have a list of questions for me, actually, that would be really helpful. Um, that's true. Uh, I also typically don't come up with most of my questions until people start talking, because that's what prompts me. Um, but, hey, that's a good thing to think about for the future. Um, Gosh, first finding out for me, like immediately when I, because I had been in a therapy appointment, um, and the therapist was like, "You should think about that." And I was like, "Oh, that would make my whole life make sense." Like, oh, I get it. Because for me, my ADHD shows up as like my hyperactivity, my like random tangents that y'all love so much when I take us on because they always go down such wonderful rabbit holes. Um, that's another thing, like, during my, our grad program, I loved rabbit holes because I loved, like, dwelling on things and, like, piecing them apart and, like, making them make sense in my mind. The way that choreography has shaped me, not only do I see big picture, but the little pieces are also important because they help shape the big picture. And so if I have the understanding of the little thing, it helps me better see the big picture. And I know that frustrated a lot of our classmates, um, as we were moving through the program, but I think... One, we work with people, so I'm like, big picture's so important. Um, but it was also really scary. Um, there'd be a lot of moments where I just like, not didn't feel good enough, but like, just the different stigmas around ADHD and like what that means. And like, at first I was like, this is fine. And then like, you talk with people who, like you said, don't know anything about it and they think it's a bad thing. And I was like, am I stupid? is this actually what this is and I actually diagnosed with something else and it was misdiagnosed because that's something that happens a lot for black women too and so like there was one moment I was walking with Scarlett and I went to class and I like remember looking at the or like going to the bathroom like looking at myself in the mirror and I was like I'm dumb as shit and like I can't go to class today like I just like couldn't I was like crying I like this panic attack like we were sitting in the bench by the park and I was like yeah I'm not going to class today like I I can't do that like I can't be in this space where like people who like don't get it or like who don't want to hear it or don't want to see it are like there like sitting there and like that's not everyone or all the time but like I just felt like we were really an impatient part of our 
grad program and I was like I don't want to be in that space mm-hmm. and then be a person who feels like they're contributing to that energy um, and so I like just didn't go that day but I think that's also because one I'm hella empathetic so like the when people feel a certain type of way it automatically impacts me and I'm like dang did I do that did I contribute probably not <laughs> <laughs> people got lives I'm not that important to people's lives um however I don't know it's just a lot of it's definitely a roller coaster of emotions like it's never like a oh my gosh today's the day I got it and it's gonna be good forever it's like today it feels good tomorrow it might not mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I have to be okay with but I think for me where I'm at in my process right now because again I don't take medication I don't go to therapy at the moment um, my process is my journal it's my prayer it's like finding those scriptures that like keep me calm or like keep me focused um it's like talking to people who ground me um and then where i'm at is yes i have this diagnosis and comma that doesn't it's like not my excuse for things so like how do i find the loophole like i think we talked about a staff meeting one day my go-to is always finding the loopholes and so if I can't do it this way, what is the way I can still get things done and be good at, like, maybe not even not bring attention to things, but just how do I make it to a place where I'm doing the work just as well? Loki, I go for better, but, like, how am I doing the work? No, better than others sounds weird. But, like, again, I'm a perfectionist, so, like, that is my goal. I don't do mediocre. I feel bad when I do. Yes, it makes <laughs> mediocre from your... <laughs> vocabulary. And not for my vocabulary, for my work ethic, I think. And that's the thing. It feels like when you're adjusting to all these diagnoses, it feels like a big shift and you feel mediocre. I felt mediocre. And that's not something that I liked, especially like when depression hit or when trauma and PTSD come into my life. Um, what reworking things feels mediocre instead of feeling. Mm-hmm. Is that like the perfectionism? Is that the black community like aspect, general black community aspect? I don't know, but okay. welcome to my life. But it definitely is scary, even mm-hmm. though we're on two different paths and we've mm-hmm. had two different experiences with it. Like I have more of the like daydreaming, not hyperactivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like tap and stuff, but for you, definitely more like <laughs> imagine like a dancer. Um, yeah, I'm literally like, when I zone out, like when I listen to like people talking who are really intelligent, my mind starts choreographing. <laughs> Like I'm literally making dances when like smart people talk. I wonder what's that. So what that what? I wonder what that is like. <laughs> like and my brother, like he told me this. I don't know if it's true or not. Talking to you, Blake. Um, he said that like he used to like when he heard music, he like saw colors. So like, I like hear smart people talk. I start choreographing. Like, I can listen to Rainwater and start making choreography. So, like, when people are like, just listen to music, I'm like, no. I can't even listen to Rainwater. Like, I get so distracted and out of it. So, like, mm, I have to, like, even people talking, I can be like, hmm. hmm. But I was, like, thinking while Brooke was talking, like, for the scary as- aspect or, like, this is definitely something that needs to be discussed mm-hmm. and needs to process because when I found out, I cried. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> like, panic. Because it gave me clarity in one way, but then freaking out in the other because I'm like, what does this mean? What is your diagnosis? All this mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like crying. Like, what is the right world going to be like? But like, 
is also a good thing that I've gone through this because, like I said, like I compared it to like cheerleading or like a game or whatever. It's like I've had people disclose that they've gone through like a discovery of their mental health, and I, if I haven't gone through something, it's hard for me to be sympathetic to someone. Like I don't have a lot of empathy, and so in certain situations, and so this kind of was like, okay, you don't know what it's like to have gone through this. Here you go. Because mm-hmm. I've always been like this. It's just the diagnosis never came. And I think that's what I need to recognize is that all it did was confirm that something was already going on in me and either I'm going to keep my life how it is or I'm going to try to make some adjustment. But I do talk to people about it who have like negative feelings about therapy or mental health or who don't believe in all this stuff because if I don't then they're going to keep harming others and sometimes I tie it back to like well what if you knew someone personally that cared about was going through this would you say that and then I'll, I mean you would okay well that sucks but like I do it as I feel most comfortable and as I feel most fluent but I'm not always going to do it with everyone I come in contact with because I don't need to teach people to come up with on Google and if they're not going to care they're not going to care okay. and so and I've also experienced I also was diagnosed at like 25 compared to what would have been diagnosed at 10. That mm-hmm. would have been completely different. Like, I'm in a, like, I'm in a more adult than I thought I would have been at the, like at a younger age, because I still feel sure to call myself a dog, but it's cool. So, <laughs> so I am just in a different place, right? I'm not in grad school or like, I wasn't trying to figure out like my black identity and like all this stuff. It was more like, okay, I'm grounded in this way. Let's just add on to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I got shook a little bit in that regard, but it was because I was already grounded in other ways mm-hmm. that I was able to handle it and like move forward. Okay. I'm glad you said it like sparked this something that Marcus had said earlier about like what's your normal. And I think the way a lot of people think there's like the normal way of doing things, and then there's ADHD, which like isn't normal, which doesn't make sense because there's hella people in the world with ADHD. And so people are like, oh, that's not normal. I'm like, no, it's not you. Mm-hmm. This isn't your world. Get up off your soapbox. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's really hard for me to think about because conversations that I have with, like, family members who, like, don't get it or, like, like, there's one family member I have who they're like, don't talk about it, like, that way at all. Like, don't say that you have that because, like, it's not, like, what God would want. And, like, maybe, like, God made me this way clearly, like, so that's like if God can make all these people who look these different ways, why wouldn't God make all these people who think different ways? So like, yeah. I just really appreciated that. Having, before being diagnosed with ADHD, but still thinking about like therapy and mental health allowed me to get closer to my dad mm-hmm. because he being like an older black male didn't really, you know, like focus on therapy. It was more like pray about it or whatever. Or like, so that caused a lot of unhealthy things in his life and so as, as I got older and I learned more about like mental health and like the black community it actually allowed for those conversations so that was more of a positive thing that occurred but I definitely have had like negative interactions with family members because either they don't believe in it or it's just something like I'm making up excuses or I'm lazy like a lot of negative but with anything I guess I'm just trying to be more positive about it because with all the negatives there's still going to be positives mm-hmm. and I can't let that impact how like I view myself and if I want to take medicine or not take medicine, like that's still my choice. But it's still not gonna change that I have ADHD. And depression. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. 
So you all have said a lot of wonderful things, um, but I want to try to progress on a little bit more, which by the way, I'm about to send you the next question through a text Ooh, message. Look at you. Um, wow. So now you can start to <laughs> ponder it a little bit, um, but I want to kind of start gearing towards this mm-hmm. idea of holding this identity as a black woman in America and realizing how much BS that you all have to go through mm-hmm. on a normal, even within your workplace and all of the things that it means for you as a person who is the main person or the bossy person or all of those negative connotations that come along with what they expect a black woman to be, not recognizing all of the other positive parts of a black woman's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking about how that may impact you. I don't know if that is something that the two of you necessarily deal with on a regular basis. Um, it's automatically being looked at as like, oh shit, here comes the sassy black woman. What am I going to do with her today? And then having to add that extra layer on top is like, okay, now I have to deal with the sassy black woman, air quotes. Um, and she tells me all of these other things. So like, how do I feel? How do I move forward <laughs> um, in terms of interacting with them? Um, because I don't think that is something anybody really thinks about. Because we barely think about it on a regular basis with our most privileged people in this world. So obviously we're not going to think about it with our less privileged people in the world. Um, so just talk to me a little bit about how you see mental health fitting in with the rest of what your identities are as a black woman and how you move forward or how that like can manifest yeah i think for me i think of it as this pole right where like not to play oppression olympics but if you think about the general way that privilege works you have white men up here and then the lower you go like the darker the scale gets mm-hmm. um, or the more invisible the scale gets and i think I, there was a class I did and they talked about how black men tend to not succeed as much academically while as black women struggle more socially in environments and so for me one I already know that like if I like you I'm gonna be annoying as shit <laughs> like Marcus told me that like when I first came to grad school I'm gonna go into the story I love Marcus you love to hear me tell it um so I like when the grad coach got here I was like you're like a stereotypical amazing great guy I was like hey guys hey like you need anything come to me with this football game let's do this let's do that like I like absorb you and then like my issues came up and I was like well I gotta take care of myself I like intru- like welcome them for three weeks they know that they can come to me for things I need to take care of myself and I like bounce disappeared um so for me like balancing social spaces like I know when I have to take care of myself. Am I getting better at telling people I got to take care of myself? Like, feel free to text me, but, like, I'm going to be in a space for myself for a little while. Um, But balancing that, like, wow, she's a lot. Or, like, I don't even think at the beginning I was a lot. I just find my people. Mm -hmm. Once, like, people settle and, like, these are the people that I think are going to be my friends or the people that I think, like, we're going to be acquaintances or, like, we're going to be doing our own things and that's okay. Um balancing that sense of if I like you I'm probably going to spend the majority of my time with you because I only really need five friends in a space Mm -hmm. I find my people like those are my people and then I bounce (laughs) like that's how my social circle works so like 
thinking of like my interactions of like wow she's a black woman like she's already like devalued in all of these spaces to then have like these depressions where I like will tell you I'm gonna disappear for a little while or like be in my home by myself for a little while or working on me Nathan <laughs> from Insecure. Oh, it was I'm just not. a joke. I shouldn't have thrown that <laughs> joke actually, in there, no, but I'm still wrapped up in that conversation. I do. <laughs> no, but like for real, like when Nathan was like, I disappeared. If for y'all who haven't seen Insecure season three, Marcus just ruined some things for you. Sorry. Um, but in that episode, one of the episodes, Nathan, he like bounces and disappears. And I relate to that so much because like when Molly was like, you can't come up in here, like, she didn't give him a chance to explain himself and like all these things and that was based off of molly's normal i've talked about how molly's really selfish already i molly's not at all my favorite character insecure and so to think of like just all of these things that black women have and black people in general have on stigmas on them already and then to have that dang she can be really annoying if she really likes you and that takes getting used to like you told me you needed space for me which I happily gave you um to have all of those on top is really hard and so that's why when I find my people I'm like these are the ones I know that are going to last because if they made it through all my whoop-de-whoop and all my extra yeah they they're not going Clink, clink. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> so I'm thinking about a few things. Um, let me read the question first. Okay. Do you feel um, so with me being a, in a very white space, seeking mental health help from white people is hard, mm-hmm. but it's what I have to do because I chose my therapist level because of the location. And so I was like, this is the best I'm gonna get because I tried different, well, I tried one other person and it worked. Um, and I think I lucked out with the second one because she definitely understands that, yes, I'm a black woman and I will say certain things. I will talk about what I wanna talk about and she just wanna sit there and listen. And she hasn't been problematic because if she has been, then I will like, peace out, right? But it's still difficult because I still have that like, what I say can be tied to like a black woman and then that can shape like how this white woman views black people. So there's still like that there. But I think with the trust that we built and the fact that like I can't speak for my people, I can only speak for me and that's taken me years to realize has definitely helped me be able to get the help that I need with this, right? So that's my therapist, my psychologist. That's the one that's me is, right? Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. There we go. Yeah. Words are hard. So her, on the other hand, like she knows she's just there for meds. I don't need anything else from her. She is. We've we've butted heads plenty of times for her to recognize that. Like, nope, we're good. Just give him the pills. We good. But it's what I mean. Like I set that boundary. And so like, that's like one thing I think about. Like I'm gonna tell the black woman is the fact that I was raised by my parents, but as I got older, like my father had a definitely prevalent um, impact on my life and he raised me to be a strong black woman. Like, he's like, you can do anything that you want to, don't let anyone ever say you can't. So I don't let other people tell me that I should feel bad or feel shameful for my mental health or try to use my mental health as a way to say that I can't do something. And that's just stems from how I was raised. Like, I'm gonna do what I want. And it's like, no one's gonna stop me. Which sometimes get me in trouble, but it's cool. So, um, and I realized that, again, like, if I don't talk about it or if I don't bring it up or if I don't 
has normalized it in my life, then I won't be showing a good example for other people. And it's not even like me. And so I never think about, in the beginning I kind of thought about people may judge me for disclosing, but then I realized that life is too short for me to care about other people's opinions of me. Because the reality is, I am human, even though I'm a black woman, like I still have like mental health concerns. I still seek the help that I need. And if I was to let people dictate what that looked like, I wouldn't get the help that I need. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, so it's a lot of different things, right? Like being careful about who helps me, what I disclose and when, but recognizing that I can be called a lot of other names, so why don't you just add ADHD onto the list? Like that's not gonna do anything to me. Well, I'm sending you all another question. Um, as we start to move into the area of wrapping up, like, I think that it's important that, although we talk about the struggles, like, it's important to talk about those and give those perspectives um, and let people hear about what your journey is. It's also important to realize those positive aspects, as uh, Scarlett mentioned earlier on, like, you have to have those positive impacts and ideas and things floating around in your head just as much as those negative ones. Like, got to keep ourselves balanced out. Um, and so when thinking about that, I kind of wanted to pose the question of how do you think black women can continue to learn about their mental health but continue moving forward and recognizing the greatness that they have um, because we all know that it's there. Um but if you don't receive like the necessary support systems um, from whoever it may be, it can be hard. So what are some thoughts? Um, I think about not everyone is willing to, and like not everyone agrees with how you believe your mental health should be handled. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of time to find either a right therapist, a right confidant, a right combination of skills and just like if you choose to take medicine or whatever that looks like because I know some people change their diets they exercise more like whatever that looks like for you to get a better grip on your mental health it just takes time and it also takes trust and like trust in the therapist trust in your friends trust in the research because not our research is valid mm -hmm. and should be followed and that's also another thing that isn't discussed but constantly look up things and constantly talk about it because the more it's talked about and the more it's normalized the um the greater the impact it can have on a person but still but on the flip side still protecting your peace and recognizing that there is a lot of stigma and this is a journey that they can it can be as most private or as public as they want it to be yeah you said protecting your peace and like that was my realm i think for me the last few years my mental health journey has been selfish right like there's been things that I've had to say no to because I need to focus on me um, and that balance people interpret that whatever way they're going to because people do that um, they work with the information that they have so for me it's been what do I need to share and with whom um, like me sitting down with Evan hey Evan um, <laughs> just for me it was like every week you're my supervisor and we all know that in student affairs like the way that we show up to work our lives impact how we see things and the things that happen in our day to day so I was like there's some shit that's happens for me and you agreed to have a grad so like you get to know all of those things 
one because I trust you and two because it's gonna come up at one point or another and so I don't want you to be blindsided when Brooke's like in her office like mm-hmm. hyperventilating or like having a thing um, and so finding my people that I can share with sometimes it's my supervisor sometimes it's a friend sometimes it's someone back home and it's a FaceTime but again for me because I don't have a therapist at this point in my life who do I need to share with and what and also as people I have my like core people who like know me really well and are able to give me feedback of like that doesn't sound like you or like find know how to challenge me in ways that I'm not defensive about because like some days it's really easy to be like that's this and I need someone to be like no it's not you're just Mm -hmm. being x y and z and I'm like so (laughs) or like you're right um so having those people finding the people in your life who support the person that they and you know you want to be um knowing how to apply that feedback and where um and looking for those spaces that are safe sometimes it's creating those safe spaces because you have other people who are looking up to you or seeing you and sometimes you have to be the brave person. Sometimes you don't have to be, but figuring out what's best for you, where do you need to push yourself, and where do you need to be safe. I would like to. I would also like to add that I I used to hate when people would say go to therapy, and then I went to therapy, and I didn't know how therapy functioned. Mm-hmm. That's something that isn't discussed. People are like, go to therapy, go to therapy, go to therapy, and I would just sit there and be like. So how what what do we do like mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. and so I feel like my therapist every week I'm like what is what is therapy still even after seeing her for like seven months so I think that's another thing too like figuring out what you want to get from it and what do you want to focus on and recognizing that because I didn't go to therapy for this I went to therapy for like other stuff and then I started talking about my life and like my areas of like struggle it's like oh you may have this so sometimes you go for one thing and then. person isn't trying to scam that extra and money out of you. And that's the reality too. And so like recognizing that I definitely support therapy but also recognize that everyone is able to either afford therapy or they choose to go to therapy. Right? And so I think that but if you're going to go down that route recognizing that the first one you see may not be the one for you and if it is cool. Like there's so many like un, un- really rules yes. about like therapists that mm-hmm. like as like a black woman or anyone, I would just suggest and highly encourage people to just take it slow mm-hmm. and really focus on what are you trying to achieve, mm-hmm. but still being okay that when you disclose your life and your trauma to people, mm-hmm. other things come up that you didn't even recognize you were dealing with. And that doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with you. It just means that you're finally talking about it yeah. and you're seeking help for it. And I think also like, cause for me, like therapy looks like a lot of going to an initial visit and then mm-hmm. not going back because yeah. either they were really full at the moment or they were like, long-term care is better and you should find someone in the community, which was costing money, and I said mm-hmm. no to that. Not a lot of that right now. But for me, like I had an f- initial visit with someone and she was like, you talked around this whole issue for an hour and a half, and I was like, I mean, you didn't really ask those questions and made me dig into it. You asked how I felt about the issue. So, like, one, 
if you're going to go to therapy, especially if you're paying money for it, there's that vulnerability piece that, like, I'm very good at being vulnerable in things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. And people think that they know me. But one day, one of um, my residents, yeah. who was now an RA, he came up to me. He was like, I don't really know a lot about you. And I was like, what do you mean? I, like, share all the time. I don't shut up. And he was like, yeah, but that's superficial stuff. Like, you don't, like, talk about. And I was like, that's because when I do, I, like, overshare. So, like, I'm like, so I'm like, I was like, dang, you really read me. Um, I didn't, I didn't mean that in my life. I was sitting there. It was our one-on-one, too. And I was like, this isn't about me. And he was like, but it is. Um, and so if you're like making those relationships, particularly with a therapist or someone that you want to be close with and to want to understand, you have to want them to understand enough that you open up. Um, and that's not always you having a bad therapist, that's you being stubborn. Yeah, we, Sometimes I there's bad therapists. I can talk for hours about therapy, but I'm going to continue. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think Thank you all very much. Um, One thing that I want to end on is just a piece that I've been thinking about over the last few days, um, which Brooke brought up the fact of sometimes you have to be selfish. Um, And I kind of, because long story short, I'm writing a book. Y'all go copy it as soon as it come out. Uh, Yes, shameless shameless plug. plug. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, but it's a a book of short stories and poems of my journey through figuring myself out. And one of the things that I wrestled with is if the idea of using the word selfish is actually okay. Because selfish has such a negative connotation sometimes, Mm -hmm. and I don't think you doing things to take care of yourself should be attached to something with a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can use words in various type of ways, but I think... Uh, after like going through certain classes and doing this whole student affairs life Mm -hmm. like trying to use words that will like hold a lot more substance sometimes so you Mm -hmm. don't give person that negative idea so just sorry go ahead no because I like I get what you're saying in that moment I like use selfish because yes like you have to work on yourself and like I also am working on a poetry book right now. (laughs) Another shameless plug. Um, But I had just written a poem, I think it was last night or the night before, and it was basically saying, yes, you can work on yourself, yes, you should put yourself first, but if you're putting yourself first so much that you are ignoring the needs of the people that you care about, then you're being selfish. And I was at a point in my life where I was looking at some of the things and I was like, is this self-care or am I being selfish? Which is why I think it's important to kind of separate ourselves from that word of I'm being selfish because I don't, just as long as you have that Mm self-awareness of like, am I being selfish or am I actually taking care of myself? Mm -hmm. I think that you should be allowed to then use better words to describe what you're doing for yourself Mm -hmm. and not use language that I think appeases the other person to make them feel a little bit better because I think when you say I'm being selfish right now Mm -hmm. you're trying to be just a little bit nice to them and to be like yeah I'm gonna say no I I think I I wasn't actually being 
but I think that it's it's a good thing not saying that you shouldn't use that language because sometimes it's important but I think that there are also other words that we can think about to kind of like think about how we want to pose things to other people Mm -hmm. so again I don't think there's anything wrong with the word selfish when you talk about like wanting to take care of yourself but with other people you want to make sure that you're being clear for folk that Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm being selfish because I just don't want to help you it's a moment of me needing to take care of myself and I want to make that clear with you 100% because we might be on two different tracks maybe I think think that's the beauty of language though yeah right like you can say a word hear a word see a word and then one person, Marcus, may take it a one way and then Brooke may take it another way. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, sh- I don't think it will ever be a, a word that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I say that not to be negative, but I think that we still live in a society where if you take care of yourself, then it should be associated with something negative. Like mm-hmm. if you're not giving your all to someone else, then there's an issue. And I don't align with that at all. But I think as we either find a word, create a word, because every year new words are created. (laughs) (laughs) So I encourage you to do that. (laughs) Or it could just be reclaiming that word selfish, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be that distinction that Brooke said. Like, I I think, I can't remember which one of y'all said, like, when you start, and that was you. Mm -hmm. It was something about, like, at what point does that self-care turn into selfish? So Mm -hmm. I I think that's the beauty. But, like, if you, as a person, is taking care of your mental health, that's mm-hmm. not that's selfish. Not selfish. <laughs> but in order for, but you know what I mean? And I think that. It's like how it shows up in the space. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think by calling it selfish, like, you calling you taking care of yourself selfish, then you're giving someone else to feel bad for your actions. Like, okay, well, you were selfish, so you should feel bad about what you're doing. Yeah. I'm never going to allow anyone to make me feel bad about taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. So, I it's a yes and. Like, yes, yep. this is the word we have right now, and I think there should be a better one, <coughs> but right now, if you're gonna use it, make sure it's like an understanding that people have, like, why you're using the word selfish. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing else I can think of is, like, multiple sentences explaining what you're doing, and I don't know what word that would be to cons- consolidate. Collaboration. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, <laughs> here's what you're doing, but then you apply selfish to it compared to just explaining um, it where selfish isn't even in that sentence. But you know what I mean? Like, um, you would then use a sentence to explain what you're doing compared to a word that someone understands the definition of. Yeah. So, yes. Gravity. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Gotta love them. So, we are approaching a lovely hour. Um, so, I want to, again, take the time to thank you all for coming on to the coffee table with um, me to kind of talk about this idea of having mental health um, and applying it to the rest of your life and how you move forward in the workplace and in your personal life, all of those things, because they all matter and hold a certain amount of substance. Um, and so I really appreciate the two of you for being vulnerable in this moment to talk about your experiences mm-hmm. and your transitions through this time. Um, and hopefully whoever listens to it actually takes the time to digest it. 
um, and actually use it for good. He just uh, hit the world for those who <laughs> can't see him. We always do like these visual things like that y'all can't see. We apologize. So thank you, Scarlett, and thank you, Brooke. Um, and then just one last thing. Um, Brooke will start to join me on more podcasts until she leaves. Uh, she'll be Shout out to Kanice who called this. When did we start doing Excuse this? Excuse me, don't interrupt my monologue. No, I'm just <laughs> No, but she will be joining in. Um, I'm actually going to continue with that idea of like asking someone to be my co-host for like a semester at a time. Oh, so um, need somebody uh-huh. that's willing to dedicate some time to some perspective thinking. I was gonna say, if you want to um, just call me and we can record our phone call, <laughs> we can options. We can th- go down that hole. Uh, but anyway, yes, thank them for coming on. Next time you hear my voice, uh, we'll be talking about something lovely and new. But once again, thanks for being a part of that coffee crew and coming to listen at the coffee table. Again, it is the Prince of Petty, your educated black man. Yes, that is me, Marcus Powell. Thank you. Goodbye. I'm going to come up with something to say to y'all. I just need help with a nickname, so if anyone has ideas. Peace.